You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is David Byrne, and you're listening to Destination Freedom Black Radio Days, hosted by Donnie L. Betts. Fresh for your ears, tell everybody. It's the new podcast from the producers of Destination Freedom Black Radio Days. Produced and hosted by Donnie L. Betts of No Credits Production comes The Eclectic. Interviews with difference makers, artists, authors, bold thinkers, people we love who get shit done. Now, I've been very lucky in my life to meet some of my artistic and scholar heroes. People like August Wilson, Sonia Sanchez, Grace Lee Boggs, and Oscar Brown Jr. Well, today on The Eclectic, I sit in conversation with another one of my creative idols. He is co-creator of the immersive theater experience, Theater of the Mind, as well as Here Lies Love and American Utopia. And he is the founding member and the principal songwriter, lead singer, and guitarist of the Talking Heads. I welcome the amazing David Byrne. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Donnie. Good to see you again. Uh, Good to see you as well. Yeah, we had a, a nice summer together and out there in Denver. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. So I always start my interviews, you probably heard from the last interview we did with the director and producer of Theater of the Mind. I like to start it the same way, and I learned this from my mentor, um, Dr. Vincent Harding. He always liked to, for the guests to say their full name, their mama's name, their mama's mama's name, and where you spent your childhood. And if you prefer, you can do the whole family. You can do your mom and dad. Wow. Okay. My name's David Byrne. My mother's name uh, was Emily Brown. Uh, and her mother's name was Elizabeth. Um, and yes, and on my my father's side, my grandmother's name was Scullion. Um, and they uh, they were all from Scotland, as was I. We moved to this country when I was quite young. Um, so we were immigrants. I grew up kind of knowing that my parents and I were a little bit different than some of the other kids around. Uh, of course, I'm always I was always trying to fit in, but uh, I always knew that there were other ways of being in the world. I knew that from my parents. Mm. Well, speak a little bit more about that. There were other ways to fit in. Uh, as a child, 
you see it in really little things, not just the way they talk. They had, they had an accent. Uh, they talk different than the people around us. And, and, but things like the way they ate, not just the food they ate. They ate slightly different food, but nothing too, too unusual. But they ate uh, by using the knife and fork at the same time. <laughs> you know, like hmm. holding it and cutting with the holding with the fork, cutting with the knife, and then putting the piece in your mouth. Whereas uh, I learned later that the American way is to you have to like put the silver put cut the stuff, put the silverware down, change hands, do I don't know some kind of rigmarole was what I was told. <laughs> this is the proper American way to do this, and I thought, okay, my family does this different, and I actually prefer the way my family does it because it seems more practical to me. I can get the food into my mouth a little bit faster. Um, <laughs> my family, uh, they listen to some music from their, from their uh, own country. They listen to a woman named Jean Redpath who sang like Scottish folk songs. Then this was a long time ago. And then they would also yeah. listen to uh, people like Pete Seeger Hmm. Uh, Paul Robeson, and wow. and then my dad would put on Mozart or something, which I didn't care for. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Robeson? <laughs> uh, I I was aware that that both him and Pete Seeger, Woody Guthrie, the other some of the other things they would play. These were people who were trying to do something with their songs. Right. They weren't just, and they were entertainers, but they were also trying to do something more uh, with their music, with their performances, than just purely entertain people. And I realized, oh, that's that's a thing that can be done. A, a, a performer, a composer, songwriters can be doing more than just purely entertaining people. They can inform as well, too, and and in some cases educate. In some cases, yes. And I thought, okay, you have uh, later on. I realized, oh, you have to be a little bit careful how you do that. You don't want uh, want to be uh, telling people, you know, kind of lecturing them. Yes. But at the same time, you want to inspire them, uh, maybe expose them to a different way of thinking than what they might have, they might ordinary hear. Now, you just mentioned at the top of the interview about listening to some of your parents' music, Scottish music. Did any of that music influence your creative work along the way? Not directly. I don't think so. Not directly. Okay. Um, I think some of the some of the other things, Robeson and Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and those things that were. Yes. Uh, I don't think my music sounds like that, but I think that they influenced. They were inspiring in what they were doing, in, yes. as far as uh, writing songs that were yes that had something to say. You're listening to Destination Frida and the Eclectic. My guest is the amazing David Byrne, the creator of Here Lies Love, a concept album and rock musical about the life of the former first lady of the Philippines, Emilia Marcos. Now, before we discuss um, Theater of the Mind, your new immersive piece, I want to ask you a couple of questions about um, your musical, Here Lies Love. And... I think I want to talk to you about it because you have always, I think, emphasized the the art of collaboration. And I know here, I love, here lies love. You collaborated collaborated with Fat Fat Boy Slim, uh, maybe others. I'm not sure. Um, but let's talk about that particular piece. Um, what inspired that work? Oh, 
This is a, a, an immersive musical about basically the life of Imelda Marcos, the wife of Ferdinand Marcos, who was a dictator in the Philippines for, wow, decades. Uh, she was a kind of larger than life figure uh, and she, very complicated, very showy, very dramatic. So she was. She was like performing a lot of the time. So that was a natural, in a way, a natural subject. Uh, I saw this kind of sealed off world that they created for themselves of, you know, built on kind of their wealth and power as being this artificial, in some ways, very theatrical world. It wasn't related to, it wasn't related to daily life. It wasn't related to the lives of ordinary people they built them made themselves become this artificial world and i thought oh this is very theatrical she's kind of it's it's like they're acting it all out uh and so i thought let me dig into this and see if there's a story here and then i found out that she loved going to discos <laughs> this was in the in the <laughs> 60s and 70s and she loved going to discos and uh she had a mirror ball installed in her house. She turned the roof of the palace in, in the Philippines into a disco. She'd go to Studio 54, all this kind of stuff. And I thought, that's, that's her head. That's where her head is at. She's in this fantasy world. This fantasy world and the discos and the mm. music's playing and the, the beats are going and everybody's dancing. And I thought, that's the world I should create. For this show, so you so that the audience is in a way immersed in her world, then they will understand where she's coming from, uh, understand her point of view. Not that I'm trying to convince people to totally sympathize with a dictator's wife, but uh, I thought you have to understand her. Uh, you can't just say, "Oh, she's evil." You have to understand where that comes from where her behavior okay. comes from. Okay. So that was the challenge. I, I started, you know, Googling up and finding stuff, and I saw a little video of her dancing with an arms dealer under the mirror ball in her house. Wow. And I thought, I would like the audience to be in that same world, to join her world and experience that and see what, where she's coming from, try and understand all that a little bit. Uh, so I said, I would like this show to be uh, a lot of dance songs and the audience is on the dance floor like they would be in a club. And, but the performers are around them on little platforms and little stages and things, giving voice to the different characters and the different moments, periods of her life. But they're all, But the audience, I, as I imagined it, 
would be in there kind of grooving the whole time. Mm. Uh, and so I reached out to uh, Fat Boy Slim. Uh, I didn't know him. I just, it was a cold call. And I just said, I have this project and I need beats. <laughs> and I know you can do a, a variety of beats. You can do house, you can do techno, you can do different kinds of things. So I thought, that's great. We're not going to have just one kind of groove the whole time. It's going to be a variety of things. Uh, and so he, yep, we met and he said, yeah, I'll give it a try. I don't think he knew exactly what he was getting himself into because I said, <laughs> you know, it's going to be like 20 some songs <laughs> and a lot more than an album. It's a whole, you know, musical. You have to tell the whole story and that's, but we did it. We did it. And mm. Right now, we're looking to bring it back. Hope, hopefully, it'll come to Broadway soon. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. So I want to ask you now, thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, you've known for your love of science. And it appears that today in the world we live in, and much of society seems to question or deny science, yet you've created this piece of immersive theater based on science. Why? I was... Well, I am, yes, I'm fascinated by science and have been since I was a child. And more recently, I started reading these books and hearing about these perceptual experiments and different things. And a lot of them were telling us that what we see in the world, how we see things, hear things, smell things, whatever, uh, is not exactly what's out there we sort of construct reality in our heads it's and of course we grow up thinking oh our eyes are just record recording everything that's out there and our ears are like a microphone it's just recording everything that's out there and then I, i'm hearing that no science says not exactly you're hearing and seeing everything a portion of what's out there a portion that matters to you, um, that matters to us uh, as, as human beings. We don't have the smell of the dogs do. We don't have the hearing that bats do or mm. other kinds of creatures. Our reality is an, the reality that kind of works for us, but it's not the whole reality. So I thought that's kind of, that's an interesting concept. Um, so <laughs> I, I went and I thought, can I make a show out of this? Can I make a show out of this? And I, uh, there was one experiment that I heard heard about where you are embodied in the body of a of a doll, a small doll, and what what was interesting uh, besides just this phenomena, which is kind of amazing, was is that you judge the size of everything else based on your your perceived body size. If you think you're, whatever, two and a half feet tall, you start seeing the world very differently than if you're, you know, whatever, 5'10 or 6 feet or whatever. Um, that's what became really interesting. And so I said, I want to experience that. I want to, I want to do that. So <laughs> eventually... <laughs> Uh, eventually, yes, I went to Stockholm and visited the lab where they 
were doing that experiment, and they very graciously uh, did it for me. I was, <laughs> and I loved it. They did one where, yes, I was embodied in a doll. They did one where I was kind of, kind of invisible. There was no doll. There was nothing, but I felt like it was me. But I couldn't. You couldn't see me. Uh, but I thought, okay, uh, now I want to figure out how can we put this into a show. Um, how can we experience the the these different kinds of phenomena that scientists have come upon, and that tell us a little bit about who we are, who we and the more we thought about it, the more we turned it into a show, the more we thought about it's not just perceptual. It's about who you, your identity, who you, the identity you create for yourself is made out of your memories and what you think you saw and what you think you heard. That uh, The kind of events that happened with your parents or your friends or coworkers, and maybe they were not exactly the way they actually happened. Maybe they're different than what actually happened and that you're stuck in, in some kind of memory and you're saying, no, that's the way it was. That's the way it was. And then you find out maybe it's not the way it was. Maybe there's <laughs> another way of looking at that. And that liberates you. That liberates yeah. you from this trap that you're in. So because we, you're locked we, in that way of thinking, yeah. You're locked in a way of thinking and a way of experiencing, of a way of, of you're convinced that this person did me wrong or this person is this way or that way. And maybe you can see it from another point of view. Beautiful. Thank you so much. So that's, that's part of the process how it came about. Um, and I wanted to ask you too, I know you, uh, did you read uh, Embodiments of the Mind? Uh, yes, uh, William McCulloch, yeah. and Canadian guy, fairly eccentric. There's some YouTube clips with him, and mm. uh, he's fairly eccentric. He wrote a, a really interesting essay called What the Frog's Eye Tells the Frog's Brain. Right. That was my favorite. It just blew my mind. And because <laughs> uh, from that, I realized, again, that... The frog's eye and the frog's brain, they don't see the world the way we do. They're constructed as a way to catch flies. <laughs> they're, they're, they, they catch motion of tiny little things. If some tiny little thing moves in front of them, they go, that could be a fly. And, and that's really all they're interested in. Probably right. flies and something that might kill them. And... Uh, <laughs> Other than that, they're not interested. In, you know, there's, that's all they need to know, basically. Yes. I'm exaggerating, but something like that. <laughs> and you realize, oh, we must be like that too in a different way. Mm. What we're seeing is only part of it, but it's what we need to survive, whatever that might be. You're listening to Destination Freedom, Black Radio Days, and The Eclectic. My guest is the co-creator of Theater of the Mind, David Byrne. The theater of the mind, the theater of the mind. You don't know what you'll find in the theater of the mind. It's all inside your head, it's all inside your head. The things you think you said, well, they're all inside your head. 
drive to the audience, what is theater of the mind and the journey that you took with your co-creator to give birth to this, to get it to its current stage? Oh, it was a long, long, <coughs> a long, long journey. As a lot of theater pieces are, um, mm -hmm. you do some a test version of reading a workshop and you realize, oh, that's not working. That character is not working, whatever. It's not working. So we did a lot of that. We've been working on it for about eight years. Okay. It started off as basically just experiencing these perceptual phenomena. And then at some point, we realized we need a little bit more story. We need something to emotionally both pull you in and allow you, uh, uh, allow you to find a way to relate these experiences to your own life. Not just, oh, that was, that was freaky. What does that mean for your life and what you, how you create the world you live in and your memories and everything else? So we started off with just little stories. We did one workshop and there was one actress. We had different guides in every room. Uh, when I, and then I need to explain to the listeners, the show has seven rooms and we have a guide an actor who takes you through each room and in, in going through the room, you're, you're also going backwards through that person's life. And you're in, in a place, uh, in di different places where the, where that person grew up, where they lived, where they were as a child or whatever. So we were doing a, a version. We didn't have that. And one of the actors said, I can do the whole thing. I can do it the whole, you know, hour long uh, script. And we said, my God, that's great. And she did it. And instantly I realized this is about a character. This is about mm -hmm. a character. And it's about going through their life backwards. And as they go deeper and deeper into their past, they discover more and more about what what their life is and how they constructed their life and the things they believe and things they don't believe and the, how they created their identity and all these kinds of things uh, as they go deeper and deeper and the audience helps them uh, realize a lot of that. So let's kind of go to, it may not be totally related, but you can just tell me because in your 2012 book, How Music Works, you talk about writing and working backwards and that this process come into play here with Theater of the Mind? Yeah, yes. Uh, I, I think by that, I mean, sometimes the context that you're working in, um, mm -hmm. in this case, we're working with little group, audience groups, we're going through rooms, we're having these perceptual experiences. That kind of context, uh, I realized, sometimes tells you what you need to do, how, what kind of story you need to tell and how you need to do it and what kind of show you got to make. Um, I think when I was writing about it in that book, I was talking about how composers and musicians react to the acoustics of the room they're in. Right. Uh, and that you can, you can play, I don't know, you can play, beats and dance music in a club but if you try playing that in a cathedral or something it's good, just going to sound horrible it's just being a mess <laughs> you can imagine it's all echoing all over the place and maybe that's what you like but 
that's not really what's intended. And I realized that different kinds of music evolve to fit the place they're in. It's like it's it's like it's being created backwards. It's like the, it's not coming from. It's partly coming from the musician or the composer, but it's also coming from the space that they're working in. That's influencing them just as much as uh, their own feelings and ideas. There's a couple of things I want to cover with you before I let you go, David. I know you have to go, and actually, I need to go, too. <laughs> I do theater of the mind. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but one is I really want to talk about um, your work with your foundation and reason to be cheerful. Uh, you, you're doing some amazing things there. Can you tell the audience really about reasons to be cheerful? Yes, thank you for asking. Uh, some some years ago, uh, probably like a lot of us, I, uh, I'd get I get up in the morning and I read the newspaper online, and I'd get upset, I'd get anxious, kind of sometimes angry. Uh, I mean, I still do, but I started thinking that's not productive. That's not a productive way to start the day. Hmm. You're not. Uh, I mean. There's a use for that kind of anger, but I thought that's not really going to help me solve this. I'm just all like all balled up, and uh, so I thought uh, I'm going to start saving when I see something that's encouraging, that's that actually some some good news that seems to be somebody's actually solved a problem, not somebody who just says, "Oh, let's let's give money to this, let's build a hospital." Let's I want to know who has actually solved a problem. So I started saving those things. And before too long, I realized there were more than I thought. Uh, often not on a large scale, but sometimes it was a little town somewhere or a little community somewhere that had done something and they had, it had been very successful th- for them. So eventually I, I thought, I need to hear this for my own health. And I think other people would like that too. So I started a kind of weekly news magazine that we publish a news story uh, every weekday along those lines, a a story about people who have found solutions. That's beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. We do. We need more of that. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, we're, we're, by nature, we're drawn to negative stories. We're Mm -hmm. drawn to bad news. We're drawn to stuff that's, yeah, that tells us how bad we are. And I, I, not that any of that is not true, but I thought there's, that's not the whole story. And we can't dwell on that, you know, because then that energy, we, that energy seeps into our being and that's not it, good for our souls. It's great. It, yes. It comes, it becomes part of us and we have to get moved beyond that. Would you tell everyone the name of your foundation? It's called Arbutus. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of flowering plant. It's a plant, uh, but it's also the name of the little town in Maryland where I grew up. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I wonder what the connection was. Yeah. Little town, little town, one movie theater. I think there was maybe two gas stations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds larger than my hometown. One gas uh-huh. station, no movie theater. Uh-huh. Okay. Let <laughs> <laughs> to travel 30 miles to see a movie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also want to ask you too about, um, uh, for, for the organization, you've created some prints from uh, American Utopia. 
that you're going to have at uh, Theater of the Mind uh, in the lobby. Would you talk about those prints you created and how people can get information about how they can help? Um, when we needed some, uh, we needed some decor in the, in the lobby, I thought. <laughs> and I, I realized, oh, oh, I could do these things called lenticulars that are, that have to do with the kind of what the show is about, about changing identities and uh, how we construct ourselves and our sense of self, all that. And I realized I can uh, take pictures of the, the crew and cast of American Utopia and make these things where if you move around it, one person changes into another person. And sometimes you see two people at the same time. You see a woman with a mustache or uh, a man with very different features. And so I thought, ah, this is in keeping with the show, with Theater of the Mind. Yes. Uh, and I thought, let's see. Uh, I'll put those there, put them there uh, in the lobby, offer them for sale. Um, the money will go to Arbutus and to Denver Center for the Performing Arts. It goes to them, too. So, uh, yeah, pretty much nothing goes to me, but it, it, it'll help support the show and the other work that we're doing. Thank you so much again for sharing that, David Byrne. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been excited to speak with him. I want to ask maybe one more question before we leave. Uh, I'm DB, you're DB. We share one other thing besides the initials, for maybe other things too, who knows. We have a love for all kinds of music. I know one of your, at least from reading about you, is Brazilian music and, and some you know, Cuban music, that sort of thing. I know with Something Wild, you did a duet with Celio Cruz, uh, one of my favorite artist. So we talk about that love in your internet uh, channel that you play different um, countries. Ah. Years ago, listening. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Well, with the Celia Cruz, uh, she she used to live in New York and it used to be there were Latin clubs all over the city. And you could go in there uh, and hear some of the best musicians in this great music. I mean, you just walk into a club and you'd hear it. You could hear her in this little, little club down on Houston Street. Mm. And I, at some point, I realized this is part of the, mu- the music of this city. And I'm completely ignorant of it. You know, I'm just hanging around with punk rockers and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and I realized, wow, there's this incredible richness of music and I started going to those clubs and got to know some of the music and eventually got got to work with her and Johnny Pacheco mm. and some others uh, tomorrow I'm work I'm rehearsing with a Mexican artist a woman named Natalia Laforcade uh, who's nice. I'm just I'm in awe of her uh, yeah so I have a monthly playlist that I we put it on Spotify and, you know, Apple and on my website and that kind of thing. And uh, I think there's one coming up in November 1st, every first of every month we change it. It's going to be all Arabic music. Um, oh, okay. And that was, that came from the songs that were being created in uh, Iran around the protests that the women are doing over there. Um, yes, and yes. these singers were were creating songs in support of these protests, and that just led me 
down a rabbit hole and I go, okay, we got to appreciate some of this music. Absolutely. And some of it's very incredible too. Oh, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. I think more people need to be aware of that. That's why I wanted to bring it up for you to talk about it to you firsthand about um, your love of it and, you know, different things that you're doing with it to make people more aware of, like I said, these different causes and protests and just beautiful music that's being created around the world that some people are just not aware of. Um, David, I'm going to let you go. Uh, th again, thank you for being with us. And uh, I can't wait to chat with you again some other time down the line. And we'll talk to you real soon. David Byrne, everyone. The theater of the mind. The theater of the mind. You don't know what you'll find in the theater of the mind. It's all inside your head. It's all inside your head. The things you think you said. Hi, I'm David Byrne, and you're listening to Broadway Podcast Network. Check out Theater of the Mind in Denver, Colorado, now through December. For more information about Theater of the Mind, just look them up. TheaterofTheMindDenver.com slash about. I'm Donnie Betts, and this is The Eclectic. It's produced by Donnie L. Betts and No Credits Production, LLC. You're listening to The Eclectic. The series is mixed by Maurice Smith, a.k.a. Reese. Please subscribe to our podcast at Spotify, Radio Public, iTunes, Stitchers, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook at NoCreditsProductionLLC.com, Instagram, on Twitter at Donnie Betts, or at The Eclectic, the podcast. I'm Donnie Betts. Talk to you soon. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now 
and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.